Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 66, Interview with Meme Lord Monday, Part 1. We begin a series presenting some interviews The Christian Atheist has given with other podcasters over the past two years. This week, Matt Matias of Meme Lord Monday interviews us for his podcast. Atheists are human beings like all the rest of us, and they need Christ as much as anybody does. And I would like to help others to be able to deal effectively with the atheist. Hey, welcome to the Meme Lord Monday podcast. My name is Matt Matias, and I'm your host. My buddy Mike and I have been making memes for years, and this podcast is a Christian podcast where we interview Christian influencers and help you find the meme in everyday life. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode with Dr. John Wise. So Dr. John Wise is a philosophy professor who was an atheist for decades, for I think over 25 years. And I'll let him introduce himself here. So I have a PhD in philosophy from the University of California, Irvine. And for most of my academic career, I was an atheist. But recently, in 2019, my current wife, Jenny, became a portal for me. I call her my looking glass back to Christ. And I found Christ again through Jenny. But in a larger sense, he never let me go. I was a Christian as a child. And when I went into graduate school, after having gone through Bible college, I turned my back on God for things we can go into eventually, if, if you'd like. But in 2019, I lost my first wife to a disease and then met Jenny and, and we married. And we wanted to start a new life. And right now I podcast. Dr. John has a podcast called The Christian Atheist. And on this podcast, he talks about deep philosophical concepts. He talks about his life, how he became an atheist, how he became a Christian after being an atheist for a super long time. And he talks about how Christians can have resources to speak with atheists. And he also uses it to speak to atheists directly about the foundation and truth of the Christian faith. It's awesome. I personally really enjoy his podcast. And most importantly now, how to live in this world as a Christian, knowing all the things that I know before, still having the atheist mind and all the doubts that used to plague me from years ago, and still managing to hold on. And I want to help others in the Christian community to do that. But I'd also like to give them resources with which to reach out to people who are struggling, both within the Christian community, because man alive, there's a lot of things assaulting the Christian faith these days. And also as a resource to those who don't know quite how to deal with their atheist friends. So you might be thinking, well, that's great that he did that. He knows so much. He grew up in the church and he was able to grapple through all these amazing concepts. But what do I do? How do I talk to an atheist? I don't know that much of anything, especially when that atheist that you're talking to has grown up in church and might know more of the scriptures and church history than you. You might be thinking, well, what do I do in that situation? Well, guess what? We're here to talk about it. It's Meme Lord time. Meme Lord Monday. 
Yeah. So are you kind of venturing more into like the, the world of apologetics, would you say? Yeah, that's a great question. Conventionally, that's sort of the niche I fall into. I tend to dislike the term apologetics. The term in its original Greek understanding is just to provide a rational defense for something. And I I spent 25 years trying to tear apart Christianity and realizing when I came to the end of it that it has the, the strongest cases on its side. And so I don't feel like I need to defend it. I just need to point the truth out. I and mean, that's what I try to do. I, it, I don't feel as though I'm an apologist in the, in the tr- typical sense of, I've got to make a case for this so that you'll believe. No, nah, it's not my job. My job is to, is to find the truth. And that's, that's, what I, that's what took me away from Christ originally. I said to myself, I'm going to go wherever the truth takes me, wherever the investigation leads me. And 25 years later, I had to just give up and say, this is where it takes me, right back to Christ. I don't have a problem. I, I don't need to apologize. And, and of course, that's the other way of using the term. But I, I don't even need to make a rational defense for it. It's all rational itself. The Christian faith is the foundation of rationality. So, hmm. yeah. Wow. If you would have heard yourself say that, what, four or five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Well, surprisingly, as things were winding down, it was more clear to me that I was on the wrong side of things as it progressed, that the farther it progressed I, along. I, God never left me. Let's put it that way. It was clear looking back, even though I said, nah, there is no God. It's clear looking back that he was still running the show all the way through. Wow. So what would you say was the deciding factor, so to speak, whether that was on your end, God's end, you know, maybe you can distinguish it intellectually uh, at at a moment, or would you say it was more like an inward type of recognition? Like, how would you describe that, that change that happened? You mean, I mean, I tell the story on The Christian Atheist. So the first like 10, I think it's 10 or 11 uh, of them, I certainly invite anyone who wants to hear the story to go there. It's deep stuff sometimes. So you have to wade through it intellectually. I think what I say on there and and how I would characterize it now is that I had all of the parts of the puzzle in hand, but I refused to put them together. And what I was lacking was a real representative of the incarnation that could once again present Christ to me in a human form. And I found that in my wife, Jenny. She was the one, I've been around Christians all my life, even through the, my atheist period. And I liked Christians. I always thought they were in a lot of ways, better people than some of the other people I was hanging with. And so I appreciated in many ways that they were honest about their faith, whereas other had, others had all kinds of faiths that they thought weren't faiths. So at least Christians were honest about the fact that they were believing something. I had in place all the things I needed because I'd been studying it for 25 years. I knew all the arguments for the existence of God, and they they are what they are. I don't think they're going to ever convince an atheist to believe in God. But I had all of the parts there, but I needed somebody to help me say, wait a second, all this truth that you've been searching for, how successful were you in finding it? I wasn't. I mean, at the end of my atheism, I was as empty as I had ever been. But all the parts were there, and when I expressed my love for my wife before we were married. I said, 
you should marry me. <laughs> and she <laughs> responded with, if you were a Christian, I would marry you tomorrow. And that threw everything back on me. It's like, okay, there it is. I knew that I was violating something that Christians should never be unequally yoked. And so I said to myself, I'm going to, I'm destroying this woman by what she's saying. Of course, in her mind, she said to herself, she knew me well enough at that time. Um, she said, oh, he's a Christian. He's just walked away for so long. But that's what it was. It was for me, it was that moment. And it didn't, it didn't happen in a snap. It took about a month and a half after we had that conversation. But as I was coming back from a, a camping trip in New York, it, it, it just, I gave up. It was like, okay, God, I get it now. What I needed was to see a reality in a human being of what Christ stands for. And Jenny was that for me. So if there's one thing, one puzzle piece, one last bit, it was my wife. Man, I really love that because I find that there's a lot of people that that's, that will say, well, you know, this argument convinced me or, you know, I've, I came to this realization and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I've also heard the claim that it's like a lot of people are atheists because it's not only a cognitive dissonance like you talk about in your podcast, but an emotional one where it's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to embrace these feelings I'm having. I'd much yeah. rather live the way that I'm, I'm living. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, too, because you being in this space where, like you said, you have the atheist brain and the Christian brain. And that, right. gives, you, that gives you the ability to look both ways. Um, there's an apologetic method called presuppositional apologetics, which I'm sure you're aware of. They will approach an unbeliever on the premises of Romans 1 that says that all people are without excuse and they have an inner knowledge of, of God. And so they'll approach them with basically countless questions of what standard do you have your morality? According to what standard do you do this? And according to what standard do you do that? It's kind of a, a circular argument, for lack of a better yeah. explanation. I'm sure as an atheist, you may have even been approached by a Christian in this yeah. way. Um, <laughs> sure. What are your thoughts about that? I would consider myself a mere Christian in the sense of I, I don't really care what your beliefs are so long as you're holding to the fundamentals. It is Jesus Christ who solved everything by going to the cross and being the substitution for our sins. I mean, it, it, you're there. And if you're there and that's what you're relying on, then I understand you to be my brother in Christ. Now, in terms of how we approach things, you know what? I've seen all kinds of varieties of Christian testimonies and, and approaches work with people. And I think that's because people are very, very different. And just like there's a whole bunch of different kinds of Christians out there, um, I have a real good friend who's a Catholic that I have no doubt is, uh, is a believer. And, you know, I have some issues with Catholicism too, um, <laughs> but I have no doubt that he's a believer. He holds to the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith and many do um, within the Catholic Church. And so I, I don't have a problem with the ways in which people approach evangelism. If they're bold enough to go out and do it, good for them. And God brings the increase. If someone asked me, how would you do it? I probably wouldn't do it in quite the same way as everyone else does. But I've got, you know, 25 years of different experience than most other people do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I mean, I think at some point Christians should come to a peaceful reconciliation of their faith. And I think we should we should be embracing others. Even though I say I'm a Calvinist, I'm, I am a very 
nuanced and libertarian Calvinist um, in, in a more technical form. But so, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the infighting is really unnecessary and we need to come together and be a lot more ecumenical. Part of my soul bristles at ecumenism because when I was growing up, I, I went to my mother, who was the sort of the Christian side of, our, of my parents. My father was an agnostic. But because of this compromise between the two of them, we went to a fairly liberal church. And it taught some basic ideas. I'm not sure that I would call it a Christian church. My mother was very much evangelical. So that was my understanding of faith growing up. But ecumenism as they taught it, United Church of Christ was almost like, you know, throwing out the gospel and just being nice to everybody. And I bristle at that too. <laughs> so I, I may be very open to those who share the faith in its fundamentals, but I'm also rather appalled by those who have thrown off the fundamentals and yet still maintain the Christian mantle. So that bothers me deeply. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could get into that. <laughs> um, because on my show, like I, I will bring on people that will definitely not hold to orthodoxy. Uh, and, and I'll tell them, hey, I disagree with your conclusions wholeheartedly. But I think we can still at least talk about where you're coming from um, and, and kind of at least listen to each other, uh, which is I, I, re I enjoy that. I really enjoy just having conversations with, with people and learning from them. But you know, I got a lot of hate for that because people will say, well, you don't take a strong stance. You don't, you don't do this. Um, but why what is I serpents gentle as doves? Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, that's one of my um, watchwords. I try to watch that all the time and think to myself, how would Jesus deal with this? Did he get into these nasty battles with anyone? No, he knelt down and he drew in the sand and then he asked them a question that sort of threw everything into uh in, into uproar and nobody could throw the first stone so you know right um yeah we look to jesus <laughs> how did he do things and i try to do that i really do I, I fail too sometimes yeah and i i what i've found is like you see people on both sides you have people that are anti-intellectual like wholeheartedly and will be kind of like what you explained people who have no fundamentals whatsoever and then you have the people that are so fundamental and so, you know, high theology that they condemn everyone in between. Let's tackle one of these because obviously you, I believe you have something to say about the anti-intellectual Christians as well. What would you have to say about that and what you've observed? I, um, my father was a carpenter all his life. And so the simple life of those who live their lives daily and fight for the things they love and worship God in a simple way I've got no problems whatsoever. Um, I, I know that most of those Christians are far better Christians than I am and are better people. But what would bother me are those not who are ignorant, who haven't understood things, but those who think they understand things and are ignorant. In other words, they're, they're proud and arrogant in their ignorance. Mm. Um, and this really comes to me through a philosophy lens rather than a religious lens or a Christian lens even. Socrates taught that if you're going to learn anything, the very first step you have to take is to acknowledge what you don't know. And it's very dangerous to be so absolutely certain that you've got it all nailed down 
you're going to turn everybody off. And this is what bothers me. I mean, you talk about Calvinism and evangelicals. This is one of the things that bothers me oftentimes about evangelicals. They come across to the unbelieving as anti-intellectual because they think they're intellectual and they don't know much of anything about what it is they're talking about. So they really ought to just keep their mouths shut and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Mm. It doesn't shake my faith, but I don't know the answer to that. And there's nothing wrong with admitting ignorance. That's the place where everybody is. And too often the atheists are in the same boat. They think they know a whole lot more than they do. Wow. Yeah. So I mentioned when I was promoting this that that my wife and I have learned a lot from you just listening to your podcast. And one of the episodes that my wife especially enjoyed was your episode where you spoke about how Christians have embraced certainty in a way that they should not. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's kind of what you're talking about. Could you expound on that a bit? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I learned from the man I did my dissertation on, I, and I don't know you know, what level of understanding people have that we're talking with here, but I did my dissertation on the famous 20th century atheist, Jean-Paul Sartre, who was an existentialist, a French existentialist. And while I was doing the dis- my dissertation research, I went deep into the weeds on Jean-Paul Sartre. And he was one of the most famous things that he was famous for was his atheism. And yet, in a passage that almost nobody ever sees anymore, because nobody reads that deeply into the weeds, he said something that absolutely shook me to my core. He said, look, I understand that atheism is a faith. I am as much a metaphysician in denying existence to God as anyone is a metaphysician who accepts existence in God or for God. And that for me was one of the the most earth shattering moments that this man who is an atheist acknowledged that atheism itself is a form of faith. Oh boy, I get in trouble with atheists on this one all the time. (laughs) I don't have faith. I don't have faith. And I understand that because that was what I wanted to avoid too. When I left Christianity, I said to myself, I want to know. I don't want to believe. The problem with that is you're a human being and you have no choice but to believe. Your whole world, your whole life, everything you do is built on a structure of belief because we know next to nothing. And if we're not careful, when we start thinking we know a lot, suddenly we're shut down and we're we're sort of in a circle of ignorance and we can't beat our way out of it. Once you're in that trap, you're in deep. And it's best to approach life in such a way as to recognize what you don't know. And I, to this day, I say, I don't know that God, there's a God. I don't know it. I believe it. Right. And it was, it was Augustine who said, credo ut intelligam. I believe in order that I may know. Knowledge is not something that's like a better form of faith. Faith is the structure and knowledge is built on top of it. And we miss that oftentimes, I think. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a message that a lot of evangelical churches, they need to hear. Because, yeah, it's like they've embraced like a Cartesian type of certainty with with like no like real reason to. Uh, have you heard of William Lane Craig? Have you heard about him? Yeah. 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 Yep. In fact, I analyzed his discussion with Christopher Hitchens, who was one of my favorite atheists. It still is one of my favorite atheists. He's dead, but I really had a lot of respect for Christopher Hitchens. I think a lot of Christians did too. He was one of the good ones. 
was. I agree. But yeah, I think I would. I think I'm fairly certain William Lane Craig washed the floor with him <laughs> in that debate. <laughs> Christopher was great, but like, man, William Lane Craig, he's something special. And I love what yeah. he said um, one one time during an interview. He's like, I don't, I don't need to have certainty because I can't, I, I can't know. I can't know all the details surrounding everything. And that's what you would need to have certainty. And uh, I don't think people realize that, that it's okay not to be certain about your faith because that wouldn't be faith if you were certain about it. Exactly. And and yeah, it's almost like they've overcomplicated the whole situation. I don't know where, I mean, have you observed why Christians have become so certain and, and feel they need to be certain? I think it's natural human uh, sin. You want to rest so securely in what it is you're standing on that you don't want to admit the possibility that there's something that could shake you up. And that for me, I, I mean, we talked about the puzzle pieces earlier on that threw me back to Christ. That was one of them. Because what I wanted when I left God was to find certainty. I wanted to be able to say, here it is. I'm going to show you what knowledge is. I'm going to prove to you all of these things are the truth. When it ends up that truth is not something that you can nail down that precisely. Instead, truth is the incarnation. Hmm. Truth is found in the God-man. Because truth is a combination of what is really real and the human interaction with what is really real. And God is the great I am. He is the author of all that is, all of the substance of the world is God. You know, I don't mean that in a pantheistic way. Right. I mean that being itself finds its existence in God. And the union of God with man, that's where knowledge is found. And so if you're looking for truth, you're not going to find it in this this world around us because all of those things are doubtful. Christ, you can rest in and say, here he is. This is the union of what is really real and the human, that which is imminent, that which we live with on a daily basis, that which, as Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. And it's much, very much true by our beliefs, too. The things that we live, the way in which we live, allows us to understand whether or not the things that we are believing in work. If they work, ultimately, more than likely, they're true. Communism doesn't work. We've tried it, right? (laughs) It fails every time we've tried it. So that belief system falls apart. How long has Christianity lasted, right? It's been 2,000 years now, and it's been through a lot of ringers and a lot of attacks, and it keeps coming out the other side pretty well intact. And the modern attacks don't seem to be really putting a dent in it, not rationally speaking. Yeah. Um, Sorry, did I answer your question? I'm oh, rambling yes. now. <laughs> no, no. Feel free. This is your show. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, 
a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.